Hey everybody, this is Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you yet another wonderful and dare I say colorful episode of That Girl with the Curls. Um, yes, pun thoroughly intended, and I don't care if you groaned, it was all for me. Um, yes, in case you hadn't realized by probably the title of this episode, uh, this is a wonderful uh, panel, I suppose. I mean, it's the best way to describe it. Panel of colorists. Uh, all of whom are awesome people. I'm so glad that I you know, got to talk to them and hope to meet them in real life someday. That's not just over, you know, the uh, electrical patterns on a, a computer. So <laughs> there we go. Um, you, we have returning guest Kelly Fitzpatrick, who you may have heard on the Neverboy episode. Um, if not, you should all go and check that one out too. Uh, there, We also have Tamara Bonvillain, Marissa Louise, and K. Michael Russell. So uh, we get into a lot of things about just being colorful and there's some tangents here and there as well, but it's it's a really interesting look into the comic book industry as well. Like what, uh, where a colorist stands in the team, uh, like how much power and control that they have, and and also trying not to look at everything in terms of battles and whatnot, which I unfortunately do equate it to a few times. But, you know, it's just, when you don't know, it's just how it seems sometimes. But uh, the the panel is really quick to, uh, you know, correct me when I'm wrong, and that happens, I feel like, quite a bit in this one. But it's still enjoyable nonetheless. I had a blast talking to uh, the, the four of them. So please sit back and enjoy, and uh, I hope that you'll come back and listen to more stuff once it's, once it's out in the ether, out in the, the internet for you to uh, listen with your ear holes or something like that. I don't know. I'm pretty tired while I'm recording this, so I apologize for rambling. But yes, uh, get into this episode. It is uh, episode 36, 35 actually, 35, I am good at counting, uh, episode 35, A Palette of Colorists. I'm just mad about saffron Saffron's mad about me I'm just mad about saffron She's just mad about me They call me mellow yellow Quite rightly They call me mellow yellow Quite rightly They call me mellow yellow About fourteen, a fourteen's mad about me. I'm just mad about fourteen. She's just mad about me. They call me mellow yellow. They call me mellow yellow. Quite rightly, they call me mellow yellow. you're going for like a more striking tone I, I suppose it's like I swear to god officer it was just a bunch of like yellows and reds and oranges and I don't know what was happening 
I promise not to rely entirely on color humor. So. I'm, I'm for it. I love puns and I love colors. Awesome. <laughs> I, I appreciate that joke. <laughs> Everyone get out your Crayola boxes and tell me what your favorite color was in the box. <laughs> this is going to sound awful, but I thought Kelly Williams was a girl. Kelly Williams? It's Kelly Williams. Yeah. Kelly Williams is an artist, a comic artist. I just assume all Kellys are ladies. <laughs> I wonder why. It's like, way to be, Kelly. <laughs> I was watching the NBA playoffs the other night. There's a player named Patty. Patty, like P A T T Y? P A T T Y, Patty. Yeah, there you go. It's making a comeback. There you go. Could be a lot more Lindsay's and Leslie's that are guys. So, ever, does everyone have books coming out uh, tomorrow? I've got two books coming out tomorrow. Oh, I should check that. Hold on. <laughs> well, this will probably go up uh, next week, but it's still, you know, if you know what's coming up uh, ahead of the ahead of the road, we can always plug that at the end. All of my projects have nebulous deadlines, <laughs> like, like 2016, or, well, actually, well, what year is it? Yeah, 2015. Yeah. <laughs> Not even kidding. <laughs> I wish I wasn't. One it's day. Like, oh, we'll, we'll get it done when it's done. Oh, Wayward comes out tomorrow. Sweet. Yeah. And, and so does Pisces. Yeah. Damn, dude. Yeah, I, re- I really enjoyed uh, Pisces, camera. That reminds me, I need to get it put in my box at the local shop. <laughs> I forgot to tell him. I forgot to tell him to get a, get a subscription. Get a local comic shop. Pick up Pisces and Wayward number seven. <laughs> it's like, do it now or regret it for the rest of your life. Yeah, you might as well tomorrow, but, you know, as soon as possible. <laughs> it's like, when this is feeling there, strikes Is there you. anything that you know you want to talk about that we would need any um, information on? <laughs> like, what books are coming tomorrow? <laughs> um, uh, that's the only thing other, other than that. I can think of. Because, yeah, it's going to be, um, I mean, we're going to probably keep this to as tight of an hour as we can. Just because there are, there are so many of you, and you all have sure. your different stories <laughs> and whatnot. Sure. Uh, so yeah, it's just going to be you know, a lot of basic stuff. I mean, I don't know how many of you have been on panels before. Nope. Nope. Yep. Like convention panels. Yeah. Conve- or yeah. I've been on one. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, kind of operate you know on a on a panel basis where it's just kind of like it's only me asking the questions though. So. Okay. Oh. I do not have anything coming out tomorrow. Okay. Do you have anything next week? We can, um, I mean, if you're, if you're not certain of stuff that is coming out, we can at least promote the books that you're working on currently. God. She can't talk about those, probably. <laughs> no, I can, but it just sounds like it's ridiculous. Like... <laughs> well, I saw Batman 66, so... That, that came out last week, right? Yeah. And since... Oh, wait. That Sensation Comics, did that come out already? Uh... I don't know. I think that might actually come out, like, maybe that comes out this week. Or maybe that came out last week also. <laughs> yeah, of the, let's see, I'm on one, I've got four, four projects ongoing right now, and only one have been announced, the other three I can't talk about. <laughs> and, the one, and the one that has been announced is the one that has the 2015 deadline. Okay. So, I can talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, we'll keep, like I said, we'll, um, we'll figure it out, and if it, like, it completely escapes you, uh, I usually do an intro at the top of the episode, so, um, if you remember something and want me to include it, I can always do that. So there's always a way to go back. Sure. Until you can't. <laughs> I'm gonna try... Oh my gosh, my internet isn't working. What is happening? Well, you're okay. still here. <laughs> yeah, I can still... <laughs> it, it must just be Comixology's website. That yeah. just happened to me. I was on a hangout with Tamara, and all of a sudden, no websites would load. Like, I was still talking to Tamara, and I couldn't get to any websites. Okay, so that chapter came out, but I don't know when issue 32 comes out. That's the first lesson you should learn about colors. We have no idea when anything we did is coming out. Excellent. Generally generally speaking. (laughs) Jordan just sent a message on Twitter. Yeah, I just saw it. Okay. Okay, so I think Jordan might be out for this one. One of his kids, you only have the one, or does he have several? Oh, it comes out in two days. With Jordan's kid? (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, Tamara. This next Sensation Comics thing. So I guess that's coming out this week. Okay. Cool. So I'm just going to send a quick message to Jordan, and then we'll just get started. I can compose an actually short message. That would be preferable. I mean, kids, podcasts, I mean, priorities, people. Jeez. With you people and your children and procreating. Sorry, we don't need him. <laughs> it's like, what's that about? Okay, so uh, can everybody hear me okay? Yeah. Yes. And you all are coming in loud and clear. And excellent. So we're going to start this off right now. And uh, everybody, welcome to the colorist panel for uh, <laughs> that girl with the curls. <laughs> Uh, since there are four of you and only one of me, uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna introduce you guys, uh, one by one and then just kind of say hello and, uh, so people know what the sound of your voice is. Uh, so starting on the picture to my, <laughs> to my, uh, left, if I can remember directions, uh, we have K. Michael Russell. Michael, hello. Hi. And then we have Marissa. I'm sorry, I'm gonna screw up the last, your the oh, pronunciation just- Marissa Louise. Marissa. Say my last name. Okay. <laughs> Marissa Louise. Hello. And uh, we have Tamara Bonvillain, or is it Bonvillain? Bonvillain. That's bon- how you say it. Excellent. Uh, hello. And then we have a returning champion, Kelly Fitzpatrick. Hello. Yay. Ooh. Everyone's here. Uh, so the, the origin story of this podcast is basically Kelly and I started talking after we recorded with Sean Simon and Tyler Jenkins for the Neverboy podcast, which you should all listen to. Uh, and we just kind of started talking more about the profession of colorists. And then she was like, Hey, I know a bunch of colorists. We should get them all together. And I said, yes, let's do that. So (laughs) this is, that's the origin story. It's a short movie. So um, but thank you all for coming. Uh, I guess the the first thing I would really ask you guys is, um, when did you, uh, how, how does one get into the profession of becoming a colorist? Um, I mean, we can, we can do this one by one, or if anyone just wants to jump in, that's fine too. Well, I started by failing at a fine arts career and then failing at an illustration career. Oh. And then... <laughs> Realizing that coloring comics was an actual career, and I was like, oh my god, I'm going there. And then, and then that's how that went. 
next person? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I went to the Kubrick school, and so I had some contacts there and just kind of ended up doing coloring most more than anything else and just kind of fell into it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Kelly or Michael? Uh, well, I, I originally, I went to a design school in Florida, and um, I originally wanted to do sequential art, and I wasn't sure how to, like, go about doing anything, but I, I always had, like, a painting background, and even in school, like, a lot of my illustrations were, were paintings, and uh, so... After uh, one of my friends I graduated with got into comics through coloring, um, I re- I didn't even know it was a career until, like, I uh, got a job working for her, uh, flatting and then assisting, and, um, like, just prepping pages for her and stuff, and, and then I realized, hey, this is digital painting, so uh, mm-hmm. it kind of just went naturally. Michael, by process of elimination. <laughs> Yeah, um, I guess I, I've been drawing since forever. I don't remember starting. My mom said I was like three and started scribbling on things. And uh, I wanted to be a sequential artist too. I wanted to draw comics and and started playing around with that, started working on that. I was probably, I don't know, early teens, really trying to get serious, quote unquote, about it as you can get when you're 15. And uh, I sort of, and I started coloring my own stuff just to have finished work, thinking that would, that would be cooler. Um, and found out that I like that part of the process a lot better. Um, plus, I found out I don't like drawing things that I don't want to draw. <laughs> so, like, you know, the, the first script that I get, you know, and it's like a thousand men on horseback attack the spaceship. It's, you know, and I'm like, I, I don't want to draw a thousand horses. Like, you know. Um, and, but, yeah, coloring is, um, it was it was fun. It was, it, to me, it's the most dramatic step in the process. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I guess going from pencils to inks can be pretty dramatic, but, and going from black and white to color is is probably the most, uh, you know, that's the biggest leap in the process. So it really kind of jumped out at me, and I was off to the races, I guess. Nice. Yeah, uh, I was actually, I was talking to my father today, and I was I mentioned that, you know, I was recording today with you guys. And he was like, he I had to explain to him the process that, you know, penciler, inker, and then colorist, because he just had no idea. And that, that seems to be kind of a running theme uh, with most of you. Uh, so I guess, uh, I mean, Michael, you kind of touched on it already, but what was the, um, the appeal of coloring, I suppose? Um, I guess I, I realized pretty quick that it could make or break a page. I mean, you can have great art ruined by bad coloring. You can have like mediocre art made okay with good coloring, you know, <laughs> it, it just, it, it really affects the, the, the feel and the, the mood and. Uh, of, of a page in ways that you just can't really do in black and white. Um, and I have tons of respect for all of my artist friends that draw books. It's a it's a really tough thing to do, uh, especially as a as a full time job. And um, but for me, uh, it just uh, you can get a lot more done in, in, in a shorter amount of time. But I mean, so so for me that was that was appealing too. You know, I mean, take you know six, eight, ten hours to draw a good page sometimes and get a lot of pages <laughs> colored in that time period so mm-hmm. uh, just the output was you know greater in a shorter time span so uh and so uh marissa what what was the appeal of uh, of coloring for you i i have always sort of thought in color 
painters that always stroke, spoke the most strongly to me were painters like Delacroix, mm-hmm. um, who, who think more in color and, like, color relationships are really interesting to me, and I can, like, uh, when I was in college, I would just do these, like, massive color studies where I would, I would mix out three colors of paint and then just do pages and pages and pages of grids about how those three colors interacted, because there are, especially when you're using physical materials, like, there are just billions of colors in, in three tubes of paint. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like alchemy, it's amazing. No, it, it is interesting because when you're, especially when you're a child, color is kind of that thing that, I mean, it, it appeals to you. Like, we color all the time as, as children, and even as adults now. I mean, uh, but you have an entire industry geared towards, here, color in the lines. Or don't color in the lines, whatever, be an individual. Um, so it, that, that is really fascinating, actually, that color is the thing that jumps out at you first. Well, and, and also, like, one of the things about color is, like, um, it's a very direct pathway to your emotional brain, mm-hmm. um, and in the way that like abstracted faces are a direct pathway to your brain, so is coloring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that ability to sort of short circuit the psychic psyche is really fascinating. Yeah, it's fun to manipulate. <laughs> it's fun to manipulate people. <laughs> Uh, Tamara, for, uh, for you, what was, what was the appeal of being a colorist? Um, like I said, I went to, like, art school and stuff like that, and kind of was going into illustration, which, which I enjoyed, but, um, you know, I'd color myself, and I did flatting for a long time for other colorists. Um, I don't know, it just seemed to, like, come easier, and was, like, less tedious than drawing was, mm-hmm. um, even though I enjoy both, and, yeah, I don't know, I just... It seemed like I picked it up easier, I guess, mm-hmm. and I just kind of, like, started picking up jobs more and more as I got out of school, and just kind of, like, it's like, well, it seems to be working out, so I'll just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's the work there, and so might as well go yeah. where the work is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I feel that there's a, it seems sometimes with the comic books especially, there's a, a very journeyman kind of a feel to it at times, especially when you're, I guess, starting out. Um, I, I don't know if that's true for all of you, but it seems to be kind of a, a consistent theme at times. Uh, Kelly, how did how did you become a colorist? Or actually, what was, sorry, what was the appeal of being a colorist? We already found that one out. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's kind of whatever, like basically what everybody else said is that it, it's like it's you know I I had a painting background and I went to a design school and I majored in illustration and. And everything was always in colors and shapes in my brain, and and so drawing was. Uh, I always sort of, I always sort of feel like I'm fighting the drawing, but when it comes to painting and and like after after, like when I'm physically painting, if I'm doing like my own work, mm-hmm. the drawing is always the hardest part. But then when it comes to the painting and laying in all the shapes and and rendering things out, that's like the fun, like freeing thing for me. So. Um, once I knew that this was a career and I could do this for a living, it was just like, oh, um, this is what I need to be doing. <laughs> so you, you want someone else to supply you with the form, whereas right. you get to, you get to do all the other stuff. Give me the basic structure. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds mean. <laughs> but give me the, give me the bones and I'll, I'll fill in the organs, you know? There you go. 
It's like, I'm the Michelangelo of colorists. Just a... No, I am not. <laughs> you heard it here first, everyone. Kelly Fitzpatrick thinks she's the Michelangelo of colorists. So. Oh, no. I have so much work I need to do. <laughs> it's okay. He only worked on the Sistine Chapel for, like, a few months over the course of several years. So you, you got plenty of time. <laughs> like... It would be, like, 30 years, and then, and then maybe... Yeah, and then someone... like a tenth of him. <laughs> and then someone like Charlton Heston can play you in a movie someday. So, it's going to work out, everyone. It's really going to work out. Um, so, uh, Tamara, you touched on something I, uh, I found interesting, because I, I tried to do some research on all of you just to look at your work and everything. Oh, uh, no. I know. No, it's all good. It's all, you know, mostly. It's fine. Uh <laughs> I mean, Michael, we might have to talk about some stuff off off uh, recording, but it's sure, fine. Sure. <laughs> it's calling you out. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I do. I've got you journalism for a podcast. <laughs> this is getting a little Diane Sawyer for me. All right. Well, it's, it was nice knowing you. But <laughs> cut his mic. Cut his mic. Um, well, everyone picks on him. <laughs> oh, well, he's the only boy right now, so. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's right. There you go. Uh, We're getting the testosterone. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> the testosterone-laden colorist, Michael Russell. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Tamara, you you went to the the Kubert School, or Kubert. Yep. Um, what was what was that experience like? Because I have not met anyone who's gone to that uh, school, so I'm I'm kind of curious about that. Um, I really liked it. It was enjoyable, but it's also very. Uh, it really prepares you for working in comics mm-hmm. because you stay insanely busy when you're at that school. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I learned a lot. I mean, it's, it's hard to, like, put into words, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. But it, it was great. Like, not only that, like, you had lots of, like, experienced teachers, you know, a lot of them working in the industry. And, uh, but also, like, being around other artists, mm-hmm. especially ones that are, like, specifically, like, interested in doing comics. Yeah. Because um, I had done art schools before that, but it was just kind of, like, general fine arts, and those people didn't have maybe the same focus in the areas that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. So, like, being surrounded by those people and then, like, just constantly, constantly working, well, like, it was just, like, a really good environment to get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because, um, Kelly, I, I remember when we were talking, uh, you know, before, it was... Uh, you know, I was talking, I was asking you about, like, the challenges, like, how uh, working with specific companies have challenged you, or just the, your growth as a colorist. Um, you know, Tamara, did you, uh, did the uh, Kubert School uh, prepare you for that, or has it just been the constant working that um, pushes you forward as a colorist? Yeah, both. Like I said, at that school, they just, because we had, we'd have ten classes a week. Wow. Um, yeah, exactly. And had assignments in all those classes. You know, it was like six hours of class a day with an hour break for lunch. You were expected to do at least that much outside of class. So, you know, that adds up pretty fast. Um, but, I mean, like I said, that really prepares you for when you get out of school because I'm putting in similar hours now, you know. So. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Kelly, I mean, if you want to, can you reiterate on... Uh, I, I don't know if you recall exactly what you talked about, but just the idea of like challenge, uh, of yourself being challenged and growing as a colorist. Well, I'm. I mean, like every every artist you work with and every um, 
company that you work with um, is going to you you kind of have to vary how how you color and how you think mm -hmm. um, and and that includes like using different palettes um, you know because you're not like I think I speak for everybody when I say you're not going to color, like, a, a horror story the same way you're going to color, um, like, a children's book, you know? Really? They're, you don't? They're, <laughs> they're different, totally different tones, and if some artists, um, like, for example, like, like, working with Tyler, like, he, even between Peter Panzerfaust and Neverboy, like, his his style of art changed from having gray washes to to you know just being uh, straight inks, um, and so like I have to adapt how how I I uh, color him, and and that's just that's the same artist two different books. If you have like a totally different artist, then um, you know they draw totally differently. So like with every book, you you're basically being challenged, or you're at least I challenge myself. Mm -hmm. I guess this sounds so ranty. I'm sorry. No, it's like, <laughs> but, it's for um, good television. But, <laughs> but I mean, you, you, uh, you because you you constantly want to get better, and you don't want to just like reuse the the same palettes all the time and whatever. You don't want to be like a one trick pony kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. and there's definitely like a balance of of like not not reusing things and pushing yourself, but also not reinventing the wheel every single time because yeah. you, you will never get anything done if you do that. Because uh -huh. you're not sitting there with like a, a, a palette of colors and be like, man, how can I be so different today? That <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's great for free time. I know <laughs> on my limited free time, I can't speak for everyone else, but on my limited free time, I will I will absolutely do color studies. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> I just spend like three hours at the beginning of each book going like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> I do it then too. <laughs> if you're going to be in colors, I'll be happy. Well, and, and that kind of goes into a, 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 a similar question that I've asked, you know, Kelly before, where it was, um, you know, how, how long do you feel like it takes you to, I guess, uh, be confident in your colors for a particular book? I mean... You, you guys do. <laughs> She's already laughing. Uh, uh, I'm laughing because I know what Tamara's response. <laughs> Tamara's gonna say never. <laughs> when the book, when the book comes out. When the book comes out. Yeah, but it's too late to change it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you guys are kind of answering it for me in the in, in, in the sense, but I mean. Yeah, I mean, do you guys ever get comfortable with your color palettes, or, uh, you know, is it always just a constant, like, anxiety-ridden thing when you get a new book or a new team that you're working on? I mean, it it, it kind of depends on uh, if you worked with them before, if it's a new team. I mean, uh, you know, with, with, with a new team you've never worked with before, you know, it, it can, you know, take, you know, four, five, six pages, half a book sometimes to mm -hmm. figure out. I've had... Well, I've had projects where they never quite uh, figure that out, but um, but uh, but yeah, you know, halfway through the book, you know, uh, you know, it's probably a little too far. But then I've had projects where you know, page one or two, it's like, oh, you nailed it. That's do that. You mm -hmm. know, um, that doesn't happen often, but uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, it happens less these days than when I when I first got started, anyway. Which I guess is good. Mm -hmm. For me, one thing I know is that sometimes, like. Uh, 
one of the things about drawing is it drawing and coloring and producing any sort of art is is about understanding the world around you and it's it's how do you construct the world around you and how do you explain the world around you so to mesh really well with someone I find that I often like we need to be of of like mind in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um like for instance personally I prefer to have like sort of a lot of air in my pages um and and that means like not every single page should have backgrounds Mm -hmm. uh because that that lets me do more emotional things with color um and it lets it lets other interesting things happen if you don't just like put a ton of buildings and every detail everywhere but like that's the way I think about space and understand art to be more emotional other people definitely prefer to have uh all the detail there um and so if I find if I end up with somebody that I don't think similarly to then Mm -hmm. then that can be sort of a, a problem and we may never mesh because they'll want they'll want concepts that I can't produce easily Mm-hmm. Tamara. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know. It, it, like, kind of like they were saying, it's kind of if you click with the artist or not, I guess. I've been pretty lucky. I don't, at least not lately, I don't feel like I've had anyone where I had any serious issues where I just was, like, stumped. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, there's, it takes some time, like, experimenting and trying to figure out what you want exactly, but I don't know. Uh, I like a variety of different artists, too, so I don't feel like I need, like, a set, like, this style or that style, you know, mm-hmm. to work with. But there's definitely been artists that I've had, and it's like, this doesn't, we don't work well together. <laughs> this is, this is, um, yeah. Well, and it seems like, because with you guys, uh, it was with the profession of a colorist, you're kind of not only working, you know, fighting with your own instincts, but also the instincts of two other people at times. Because you have not only the writer who has a specific idea of what they have in mind um, for the, the layouts and the details and the backgrounds and all that kind of stuff, but you also have the artist and what they produce as a drawing. Um, I mean, you're kind, you know, we kind of just, just talked about it, but I mean, what, what kind of relationship do you prefer in, you know, with the artist or with the writer? Well, I just want to, like a little point here because like if if there's a lot of fighting that means it's not a good fit <laughs> you know like yeah. uh, uh, I don't want to be crass or anything but I'm working on a book with um, Jen Van Meter and Kyle Latino and we've all been trying to to put we've been trying to get together on a book for a long time um, and we're finally at the sort of starting pages of it and what's been really fortunate is that they both know me and trust me and have asked if like if there's anything we can clarify in the colors right Mm -hmm. so I'm talking to them about like character design from the get-go about how much the the um the color can actually handle and it's it's a lot and when I'm talking to Jen about it uh she she is often she expresses relief that that she doesn't have to clarify certain things in dialogue because I can clarify in color. Okay, and, no, and and I, and I'm sorry, and I I feel like maybe I'm 
phrasing the questions too much in a combative sense, sorry. Because um, it's not always that. It is, you know, you guys are as much part of, you, you're all part of a team. So I guess a, I guess a better question is, like, how much input do you like or prefer having in, in this sense? For, for me, it depends on when the input comes. Uh, <laughs> you know, if, Good point. Yeah, if uh, Kelly would know anything about this. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, if they have if they have very specific ideas about certain things, fantastic. Like I'm I'm all for that. If you find out up front, um, and uh, that you can sort of build your you know your your palettes and your ideas off of that. But I mean, some of the I mean, according to other people, tell me some of my best work has come from those projects though, where it's just been like, do you just do your thing with the colors? Like we've we've trusted you. We've seen you on this and this, and. And those are some of the, you know, we're allowed to create in that case, you know, as opposed to just following a, a template or, or matching someone else's work or, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, that's, that's for me, that's the best, obviously. But um, but there's also nothing at all wrong with, you know, having specific ideas as long as they're they're clear and, um, you know, I, I can work in, in either, either scenario. Mm-hmm. Okay, this kind of goes off of the rant I did on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> um, it wasn't that ranty. Oh, well. Ranty. Well, ranty. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, basically, um, in an ideal world, I think that colorists are chosen just like artists are chosen, where they're looking for a specific thing that that person is doing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the image that the writer and the artist have in mind already when when they want you on the project. They're like, oh, we need a colorist. They don't just, you know, you know, pull a random name out of the hat going, this person's available, let's choose them. They actually have somebody in mind. They go, we know what person A does, so we want person A. If we can't get person A, we know what person B does, so we'd like person B and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But, like, sometimes that doesn't happen. And a lot of times, like, editorial will just bring people in on projects or, um, and, you know, that, like, they, or sometimes, for whatever reason, you, you just get picked up for a project and they think that you can do something that is totally outside of your, your, your wheelhouse, basically. So, Mm -hmm. like, and I think that's what causes the conflicts on the teams, um, or just the concept, the idea that colorists aren't artists at all, mm-hmm. and that you should just basically do what you're told and have no creative input at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if with that being said, if if uh, like in the teams that I've been on um, that I've enjoyed working with the most, they've had very strong opinions on what they're looking for but they know what I can bring to the table and they they've pushed me into doing better work by by us going back and forth and and having a very open communication with both the artist and the writer and um and they're not looking for me to to do something that they specifically want and I have no input on but they want me to bring something you know they want me to collaborate with them um and so, yeah, it's just, I think, like, the open communication is, like, the biggest, the biggest thing. Because I've also worked on books where I, I have, I don't even have the artist or the writer's emails. It's, it just all goes through editorial. And, oh, wow. And 
I feel like that sort of is um, uh, not not great for the the project. It's like passing like that's putting like passive aggressive notes up on the uh, refrigerator, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah they would really like it if you did this if you could come in on friday or something saturday <laughs> uh uh tamra uh what about you yeah i mean i feel pretty similar to, to them you know um ideally you want someone who like they said you know trust you they've seen your work they know what you can do that's why they're bringing you there they kind of stay out of your way for the most part like if they have an idea or notes or something ahead of time that's fine as long as it's not like restrictive mm-hmm. um i have no problem with that and as long as they're open to like your input like maybe you're doing something different than they may have thought of initially mm-hmm. um like revision stuff like that that's fine as long as it's you know they are respecting what you're bringing to the the book and they're not just like dictating you know it this way or that way because if that's the case then my opinion is like why do you need me? Like, you you know what you want. Like, find someone that can give you what you want, you know? Like, yeah. Um, but, but luckily, it usually works out to where the people that I'm working with do respect me, and they do, like, allow me to, like, you know, do what we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, because... What we're what we've been finding like lately within the last uh, year or so with uh, the comic book industry is that colorists are are getting more recognition. Uh, you know, you guys are you're going up on the uh, title pages of the books, the cover pages as well, and everything. You, uh, colorist letters. Pretty much, the industry is starting to you know recognize the work that you guys do. Um, you know, in a in a much more like out there kind of way. Like, um, has that do you feel like it's changed anything for you or is it just like, you're just like happy to be recognized finally? It's happening very slowly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very, very slowly. Uh, there, there's still, I mean, Tamara and I were actually just talking about this today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, won't, I won't tell uh, the whole story, but uh, you know, basically said somebody just sent me two links to reviews. You know, what's, what's the over under basically on whether I'm, you know, my name is there, you know, or oh. they even mentioned coloring, you know, uh, because it's like this running joke between us, you know, it's like they do reviews, they talk about the art, they talk about the mood, they talk about the atmosphere, and they never mention the colorist name, or They're they never like, even mention... artist, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, so it's, so there, there's still a lot of uh, reviewers, and there's even industry people that should know better, I think, that, that still don't, uh, you know... It's not it's it's not on the level of the writers and artists, and not and, and not that it should ever I would say on equal footing, you know, across the board. But mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, there's it bring, you know, like you said, it brings a lot to the to the books, and um, and I, I try to um, I try to recognize, <laughs> I try to call out the reviewers and the articles that I, I you know retweet them and repost them for the ones that do you know talk about the entire teams that are on these books. It, 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 uh, because if even if the people within the industry and the people that are writing these articles aren't the ones leading that charge, like you know who's going to? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, I mean, we can sort of all stand together with our signs and yell and you know, hey, look at us, we're important, you know. But <laughs> until someone else starts doing that, you know, uh, then it can be hard. Well, and one thing I really think is like a lot of people don't uh, looking at art is hard. Like there's. It bypasses a lot of our spoken language, so people think they can understand it when, if they haven't had a lot of experience talking about it, they may not 
fully appreciate all the details, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so people can see the final product, but without um, experience looking at the prior stages, people have a very hard time uh, discerning what's color and what's the line artist and what's the writing. Um, and what's yeah, the- and I definitely didn't mean it to mean that it was you know malicious in all cases or anything. It's just like you said, sort of it, it's, no. it's ignorant it's in some cases. I right. knew I knew reviewers uh, for the site I previously wrote for who would struggle with talking about the art because uh, they could they could look at it from a writing standpoint because some of them were were more inclined to be you know were were, were writers basically. Right. So that's the language that they speak. You know, pun not intended, I suppose. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, when they got to the artwork, they were just like, I don't know how to how to talk about this. They don't have that kind of vocabulary. Right. I mean, and it's because, look, <laughs> this is going to not sound very nice, but comic books really aren't, very, aren't taken very seriously as an art form. Mm-hmm. And as long as we, as a community, do not discuss the art with an elevated language, there is no way for it to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Because the people who know what they're talking about are going to listen to us talk about like one person hitting another person and not see anything of value there. Um, but if we can discuss how ideas are carried out in sequential pages, which is amazing. Like, comic books are so amazing mm-hmm. because... You get, you get art, and you get story, and you get sequential pages, and you can, like, interact with it on your own time, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like a movie where you get a sequence, and you're just sort of, you have to consume it in that amount of time, right? You mm-hmm. can consume a comic book on your own amount of time. You can linger on an image as long as you'd like. You can stop and think about an idea if you'd like. Um, and so you, how are we going to take this form seriously when don't even respect the form that exists, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the roots of the problem, too, is that solicitations, like, they they oftentimes don't list the colorists or the letterers on, on solicitations, and it's like, for reviewers, um, maybe people who are just getting, like, PDFs, and, the, like, the, they're not full PDFs, or, or, you know, they're, like, in progress, or they only get, like, a couple pages or whatever, like, um when they're posting previews or, or whatnot, a lot of times they don't, like, people don't get, um, all the information from the companies, and so it, it, it's like that makes it harder for people to find out who's working on what, and it, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, back when I was at Word of the Nerd, and even now when I do get some advanced reviews, I don't get the, the title page. So I have to look for the, the, unless I know for certain who's doing the, you know, the colors or the lettering and everything, I have to go and look at the website for the comic uh, just to know who did what other than the, you know, the artist and the writer at this point. And a lot of times it's not listed Mm -hmm. on the, on the websites. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, a, a good example, like. With, with myself anyway, and I won't say the name of the site, but there's a really, really major comic book site, and you can guess one of the two that it is, probably. <laughs> but, um, uh, like of all the books I've ever done, and I haven't been doing this long, I'm professionally for what, two, three years or something, so I don't know, I mean, 10, 15, 20 projects that people may or may not have heard of, mm-hmm. but my name, if you, like, search for my name, like, on their site, it comes up once, 
and you know, and there was cases where it was spelled wrong. There was lots of cases, like you said, it's not in the solicitations at all, and they pull their names from there, so it's not there. And so, you know, it's really hard when you're in my position and you're really trying to get your name out there more. You're trying to get people to, um, you know, okay, oh, this guy worked on this. Let me see what else he's doing. You know, like, yeah. you know, we've talked about having to update our own comic vine pages. You know, because <laughs> it's like. Again, like if we don't, who is, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just so people can say, okay, well, you know, there's a place you can go and Pika uh, see what you've done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's us, us and Pika, us and Pika rocking it. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's a great job updating all that yeah. stuff. <laughs> <Like>, Shouts out. <laughs> Whoever you are, Pika, I hope you're listening. Thanks. We all love you. Yeah, that there's is... actually very few cases where I feel like, oh, I've had to go and add something. I'm always impressed with how much data is there. Yeah. So this is a person who's like specifically updating your your websites or uh, well the comic vine in particular oh the comic like vine okay like the same same person it's yeah, been a while since I've been on comic vine so I was like okay I need clarification uh, comicbookdb.com is great they list all the colorists on every book oh really good um, even like comicology doesn't list the full That's frustrating too. Yeah, and that one's like yeah, that one's more frustrating because it's like you're purchasing the book. If you, if someone was interested in like the colorist or letter or whoever else that isn't the writer and artist, you can't find those people. It, it's on there sometimes, I think, but generally it's not listed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and in that case, I don't really understand it. You know, being digital, it's like it seems like it would be an easier thing to database. Yeah, you ha- it's like you have everything at your fingertips right here. You could yeah, and like the previews even show the title page so even if you're like i just want to look in here for myself in like a less efficient way you can't and, and especially with um, with colorists, you know, it's uh, I guess un, you know, I, I don't know. I might be speaking out of line here. Uh, you know, unlike um, the the artists or whatever the the pencilers and the inkers or what or whatnot, um, it's not easy for people to like look at a book and be like, oh, of course Kelly colored that. You know, if they didn't, you know, unless they knew you. I mean, so it's not like you can just go in there and be like, oh, that color scheme is clearly Marissa's. You know, that kind of thing. I feel like once you develop an eye for color, it's really easy to do. Okay. But prior to that, it is extremely difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Especially if there's a colorist who sort of blends really well into the work that they work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, like, I can spot Jordan Boyd's color a mile away. Um, you know, everyone can spot Dave Stewart's. Uh, you know, there's, there's, but it takes knowing what the choices, what choices are available to be able to tell who's making what choices. Oh, you know? okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, this is as much an education for me as, as well. So, um, I mean, with that in mind, I mean, do you guys feel like there are certain things that you do that people would recognize or even what the others do that people would recognize? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's definitely people, too, that have more distinctive styles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the same with art, though. There's, like, some people are, you know, like, pencilers that have similar styles and you might confuse them. And there's other people who have very distinct styles from one another. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same for coloring. Maybe most people can't distinguish between it, but, like Marissa was saying, I can tell a lot of colors apart, even, you know, like, everyone in here and, you know, the bigger colorists. Unless someone's, like, actively trying to copy a style, I think usually there's, like, 
things there that let you know who did the work. And do you have a particular thing that you do, Tamara, that people would kind of, like, notice you by if, uh, if they're looking for it? <laughs> uh, rendering the shit out of everything? Well, <laughs> 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 you the interesting lighting situations, and you, you also, like, um, uh, your use of green is really interesting. I would, I would say green is definitely one of your, like, important colors. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, like it's so much easier to identify in other people than, than yeah. Himself. Like Jordan always says, he can see my style, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm just making decisions. <laughs> no, I can see your style, and yeah. I think it's harder to to talk about like to actually vocalize the differences in everybody's styles. Because mm-hmm. it's so technical. Like it's it's there's so much terminology that like only we know. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. You know that you can't really talk to a general public about the way that they use this cut with the lasso and they filled it with the gray. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> um. No, yeah, it does. It it all it can really boil down to the nitty gritty details of your profession. Where it's just like like you're saying, like it's it's how they rendered that little piece on the lasso that lets me know who it is or whatever. And someone else would be like, I, what? Like I, it's just a lasso. <laughs> um. I mean, and, and Marissa, you, you said this with Tamara that she uh, has a she uses green in an interesting way, um, and this kind of like goes back to your statement about the emotion that color uh, brings out in comics. Um, and there was a, an article that came out. This was a while back about uh, remastering comics. Ah, I hear it already. <laughs> but there was a there was an article on Io Nine. Uh, I don't remember if it was a reprinting or someone just uh, wrote it there, but basically about the remastering of certain comics and how the colors, uh, once they're remastered, change the entire perspective of the book. And so I'm going to ask you first, Marissa, like, what what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> okay, so there's, that one's like a super loaded question, because first of all, like, so the recolor of Mobius was not asked for by Mobius, but the recolor of the Killing Joke was asked for by the line artist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and in both of them, you can see a move towards a more muted palette, mm-hmm. and the decisions are definitely, like, more... Um, there's a what's called local color, which is the, the color that an object appears to be. Mm-hmm. Right? But that can change depending on the lighting. Yeah. Um, uh, so it was all like local color decisions and it wasn't highlighting emotion. It wasn't highlighting depth. Um, it wasn't highlighting any sort of exoticism in, in any of those pages. Um, and the thing is, is like, uh, I love all of my line artists and they're very, very important to me. Mm-hmm. The line artists are not colorists and there's a reason we're separate, um, that we're separate, uh, sort of fields because thinking in color and there's like this this was something that struck me in art school when I was in art school was like there during French academic art um, there was there there was a division between the line artists and the color artists in, in painting mm-hmm. and there were like some people think in line some people think in color and then they would just like nonstop fight right really trying to decide who is right yeah did you guys have rumbles <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we never fight comics. Yeah. <laughs> we never fight. <laughs> no. 
They're such elaborate <laughs> dance routines. I can't believe it. <laughs> um, and, and so, like, people just think differently, and that's okay. But, like, like, I think we've all said you have to trust your colorists, and there's a reason they're making those decisions. And you can see, especially in the Killing Joke one, where just, like, all the mania is sucked out of the book. And yeah. it just becomes, like, a really dry story. Yeah, there. Because uh, yeah, I was looking at them and just what I, I don't is it is it this move towards like trying to you you talked about a, a muted palette. Like, do you think that that was more in line with like what the trend is right now with some comics, or was it just what Brian Boland really wanted? It was definitely what Brian Boland wanted, mm-hmm. um, but also a lot of the times remasters they don't necessarily hire colorists to remaster things. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll hire like college students or like just some person so people who aren't really thinking with that kind of perspective in mind yeah mm. uh michael what do you what, do you have thoughts on this uh, remastering issue the mobius was the first thing i thought of uh, when when you brought it up because like they like they said i mean his his color sense is so strong and it's so it's so integrated into the art I mean, and so when you really try to you're taking all of the character and all of the storytelling out of the coloring, um, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it was, and, and and I know when the Killing Joke, it was a move. I don't know who the colorist was, and I'm, I'm not, you know, blaming them for they were probably doing what they were told, but it was it was very uh, much more modernized coloring and very computery, <laughs> and um, <laughs> you know, which himself, right? what's that? I think he colored it, recolored himself. Oh, I, I, I had no idea, but um, but yeah, the it, it was just it was sort of. It was like it was obviously modernized, more computer coloring. At least a couple of pages that I saw, I didn't see the whole book, but um, and and that's one of the things about coloring in general these days is you know it, it's one of the uh, I guess it's one of the downsides of having Photoshop and having a limitless tool set of nine jillion colors and and, and 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 you know when you can color a book like she mentioned earlier, like maybe three colors on a page or four colors on a page. Um, you know, that's part of being a colorist is being able to, uh, you know, condense all of that down into, you know, something that doesn't use every color in the, you know, the Photoshop uh, spectrum there. Mm-hmm. Unless it's a psychedelic book and then go wild. Yeah. True. If that's the case, if you want to look, make a book that looks like you're on acid, go for it. I mean, have all the colors. And there are books that have done that well. <laughs> Uh, Tamara, would it, do you have uh, thoughts on the subject as well? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's good or bad necessarily. It just depends on, you know, like, was the original coloring done well? And is the new new coloring better or worse? I think some people, I don't think the article was that way, but some people take it as, like, because they usually show stuff that's, like, pre-digital coloring. Mm-hmm. They show, like, remastered. And some people put it as, like, digital versus traditional and I don't think that's the case. I just think a lot of the recolors that people are done are not the best quality jobs all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't have a problem with it if there's a reason for it and say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like remakes of movies. Like, if you have an original movie and it's a good movie, maybe you don't need to remake it. But if it's a terrible movie but there's something there that you can salvage then go for it. From your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> or Hollywood's, at least. <laughs> Kelly? Uh, I, I agree with Tamara. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
speak for me in all social situations. Oh, good. <laughs> that just, like, cuts down the amount of questions of people I have to get answers from, so... <laughs> It was like, it's like, one down, three more to go. Tamara's <laughs> gonna say something really controversial now. <laughs> well, you know, that's Tamara always taking the bee's nest. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? There you go. <laughs> well, it, it, I think it's just, it's a fascinating subject, because um, my, my day job is, uh, I'm an archivist, and um, I had to, you know, read a lot of stuff about um, intention versus, you know, uh, I guess basically what was what was put out into the ether. Uh, how art then becomes no longer the property of the person who made it, but then becomes the world's property in some ways. Or, or ownership is kind of shared at, at some point. Um, so I thought it was just kind of an interesting subject to, to look at when you're taking a color scheme and then totally changing the tone of a piece by not considering the, I guess, the original color scheme. If that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! I'll you later about being an archivist. <laughs> Sorry, what? I'll interview you later about being an archivist. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> then the tables are turned. You the, like three other archivists? The, Sorry? I have not done any uh, archivist uh, interviews or had that turned around on me at all. So <laughs> it's mostly uh, uh, I've I've done um, transcription of other archivists. So I've been like I've I've been in your head, sort of. <laughs> and then they're like, "Go away, strange girl with really curly hair. You're you're weird." <laughs> so um, so we're we're getting close to uh, the, the hour and everything. Um, and, and like I said, I was I was looking at your guys' previous work and whatnot, and you know, kind of throughout the conversation, it's it's uh, there's been this kind of idea that not everyone knows what you know what books you're working on um, because of you know things with uh, comicsology or the you know editorial anything like that. So uh, uh, let's go around and uh, just kind of tell people like what books you've worked on, and then maybe if there's like a highlight, like one that you're particularly proud of that you just want to shout out for, because you know not that you're paying you know playing favorites, but just that one that you're really like, yeah, that's the best showcase of my work thus far. <laughs> um, we'll start, Kelly. We'll start with you. Oh God. Ah. <laughs> Do you want Tamara to speak for you? It's like picking your, fa- it's like picking your favorite child. I know? know, but sometimes you have to. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'll just start, I'll just go down, like, the list of stuff. Um, I'm working on, uh, over at Dark Horse, I'm working on uh, Steam Man, Death Head, uh, and Neverboy, uh, and we just wrapped a, um, uh, a graphic novel called Vita, um, which is a all ages graphic novel, which mm-hmm. I'm excited about. Um, at Image, I'm theoretically working on <laughs> Dark Engine and Peter Panzerfaust, and I'm supposed to start two books up there soonish. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at Archie, I'm working on Black Hood, and eventually. Uh, the Shield, mm-hmm. and uh, and at DC uh, this week, uh, 
the second chapter of uh, Sensation Comics uh, with Wonder Woman um, is coming out with uh, Tom Fowler, which I'm very, very excited about because I love Tom Fowler's art. Tom's, yeah, no, his art is great. I met him at Emerald City as well, and it was just like, you draw good. (laughs) (laughs) He's a very tall person. (laughs) He's like two of me tall. (laughs) He's a full head taller. He's kind of short. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. (laughs) I met, uh, I used to live in Bellingham, Washington, um, and do you guys know Ryan Stiles, the uh, improviser? Yeah. Yeah, so... He lives in Bellingham as well, and he came into the store I worked at uh, at the time, and it was just kind of this thing where you're like, okay, don't don't say anything, don't say anything, but you just kind of look up and you're like, you're tall. <laughs> and then you go back to taking his money. So. <laughs> I, I've been in your boat, Kelly. I just want to say I sympathize. <laughs> uh, Tamara, what, what are you working on? Or what have you worked on? <laughs> the last one for marvel ghost racer ghost racer okay sorry you were cutting out a little bit so oh okay yeah and just some random other things that aren't announced yet okay. but um yeah i don't i don't want to pick one <laughs> I don't do that. all right fine none of you have to pick your favorite child god <laughs> marissa what about you Like the uh, Tarantino Rodriguez Grindhouse, or just regular? Oh, Alex DeCampi does these like Grindhouse books out of Dark Horse that hmm. are really cool, um, and they're just like really pro woman, um, but but also like sh- shitty cinema. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great stuff about shitty cinema, cinema where it's like really just it's tons of fun, tons of action, lots of jokes, and like gorgeous and weird. Hmm. Um, oh yeah, I guess I'm best known for my Escape from New York work. <laughs> like, Snake Plissken. Yeah. yeah, I think, um, I guess I, I guess if I were to be put into a genre, it would be, uh, mid-budget action movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad genre to be a part of. I'm, I'm happy there, especially if I can make it really pro-woman. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Next, it's going to be like a, a, you know, a new version of Waterworld, and uh, like... oh my god, I would buy that. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually I was watching um, I was watching something about Zorro, and then I started thinking about the Phantom, and, and all I wanted to do was like, man, I want a new Phantom book that like because I know it's like son, father to son, father to son. Like, what about the daughter? What if there's a daughter and she's the only one who can take it over? And it's like. Then what? I don't know. It was just some weird random thoughts that came into my head. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's, these stories are archetypes, you know, and, and they're really fun to work in, and there's, 
like sometimes the archetypes are fun to play with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michael? Uh, I guess the recently I'd had the um, Nailbiter Hack Slash crossover uh, that came out a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that for uh, for Image. Um, I'm working on a bunch of stuff that hasn't been announced, but uh, I'm working on one right now with uh, Joe Mulvey and um, Tyler James from the Comics Tribe uh, uh, crew there. Uh, finishing up something with them. Um, I'm working with a, a new company called Sid Comics. Uh, it's a TV writer that uh, named uh, D- uh, Darren Henry. He's written for Seinfeld, Futurama. Started his own sort of uh, comics uh, uh, imprint, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's writing it. And um, Tom Richmond of um, no, not a lot of people know his name unless you just follow him. He's, he's the the caricature artist for Mad Magazine. He's, oh, he's one yeah. of those guys that you see his work, and you're like, oh, it's that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but he, he's doing sequentials on it, um, and it's his first sequential book in, in, in a while. Um, and that's coming out later this year. Um, so. Yep, and uh, I just uh, a, a successful Kickstarter campaign for a book called Butcher um, with a couple of uh, guys that are new to the industry, but both amazingly talented, and, and that should uh, that's coming out later this year. Um, yeah, and then stuff I can't talk about, so. Oh, <laughs> you, you know, won't choose children, you won't talk about selling out other things. No, no, um, I, I will mention, I, I, for anyone that has any interest at all in learning what uh, coloring is, or uh, I do have a coloring course online through my website, too. Oh, um, yeah. At, uh, at comiccolor.com. But, um, after this, uh, after you've heard us, uh, uh, be divas for the last hour. Um, I'm sure you're really looking forward to learning about how to do this too, right? So. <laughs> I'm always interested we're, in we're learning. We're so difficult. We're just really difficult, all of us. So um. <laughs> no, you guys are awesome. I, I mean, we're 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 pretty much at the end of the show, but I just I just want to say, you know, thank you all of you for coming on. This has been as much of an education for me as anyone who's listening to this. So. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. It's like next time you guys are around for uh, Emerald City Comic Con, if you if you come that way, I'm definitely stopping by your table and being like, oh my god, I know you! <laughs> yeah, I do. I think we're all going to be at Heroes, right? I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm still up in the air, but I'm trying. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so come find us there. Okay. Yeah. I'll get on the plane. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, everybody should go to Charlotte. Oh, I've never, yeah, I've never been to this. I've never been to the, I guess, the Deep South. Or I don't even know if you call it the Deep South at this point, so. I bought my plane ticket today. Yay! Congratulations. <laughs> you get a gold star. It's like five weeks away. No, seven weeks away? Something. Coming up. After a week of moving, that probably felt like a big accomplishment. Like, hey, I got this plane ticket thing handled. Well, I still don't have my plane ticket for the way back, but I'm <laughs> <laughs> one, one step at a time. Yeah. You're like, one ticket, please. And they're like, do you want to go back? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe she'll like it there. Yeah. Can relocate to Charlotte. I'm sure that would thrill my roommate here. <laughs> they just get like a carrier pigeon with a little scroll and be like, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to stay here in Charlotte. There's just no other way. <laughs> Um, but again, thank you everyone for coming. Um, before we go, uh, you can uh, tell people where to find you online if they want to. Michael, like you said, learn more about uh, coloring and uh, you know, uh, whatnot. Uh, so why don't we start with you, Michael? Uh, where can people find you online and um, any other websites you'd like to plug? 
the easiest one to remember is no I just colored it dot com. Um, <laughs> you can go there, that'll get you to my website. I'm not even kidding. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> no. Uh, and uh, Twitter it's K Michael Russell and Facebook it's K Michael Russell and uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Marissa. Um, you can find me at uh, Marissa Draws. That's one R two S's M A R I S S A. Or uh, you can find me at info at Marissa Louise uh, if you want to email. Um, or uh, I do uh, have a small nonprofit for women and minorities in comics, and that's June Comics. Uh, and that's June Comics at Tumblr.com. Okay. And then June Comics at Twitter. Okay, yeah, and I'll I'll link these things to the um, to the podcast as well when I post it. So, uh, no worries about having to remember every you know like complete addresses or anything. I'll find it. I'll link it. <laughs> People are scribbling furiously right now, trying to remember all this. They're like, no, oh, God. okay, she's just gonna link it. Fine. <laughs> Tamra, uh, it's probably easiest to get me on Twitter um, at t bon villain. Um, my name is very Googleable. Mm-hmm. I don't find the world I'm sure, so you can find me pretty easy and find my other social media sites that I don't ever update. Awesome. And I do love your last name. It's uh, really awesome. <laughs> I'm going to change it just to be like you. Can't blame me. That's true. You speak for Kelly as well, so I can't say. Yeah, those are my websites. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, are, are your websites mashing up with, uh, with Tamara's as well? Yeah, that's the, you know... I'll take all yeah. full credit for all of time. Kelly credit is really that's me. I'm just like <laughs> no, the other way around. It's the other way. You just start uh-huh. seeing like a, a was it a spray painted over one of your names and the other one's written. In there. <laughs> oh god, um, I'm Kelly of Scribbles Kelly of Colors and I looked it up this time and it's. My Facebook is Kelly F Illustration. Okay. And Twitter is at Wasted Wings. Sweet. Um, again, for the third time, but it's it's never enough. Uh, you guys, thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, you all you're all welcome back as far as I'm concerned. Whenever you want, you want to talk comics, you want to talk movies, television, music, whatever you want to do, we'll do it. All right. Yeah. All right. And good night, everybody. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. The world is full of every kind of color But we're just talking red, yellow, and